Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Having a hard time over here. I'm sending this out through social media. Um, I'm going to put it out there in a second. But anyway, good morning, Raina. Good morning. How are you? I am well. And yourself today? Uh, very, very cold. <laughs> it's so cold <laughs> over here. Trying to stay warm. Yeah. Trying to stay warm. There's it, something going on. It's like, um, I, I'm not quite sure. It's just cold. But no good reason. It's two whole degrees in Chicago, Illinois. Two whole degrees. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, that's what I said. And I'm like, ain't that something? Um <laughs> you gotta love it. Um there's something going on with Blog Talk Radio, you guys, and social media. And it's interesting because it's like I just reconnected my Twitter account and it's having a hard time getting to the Facebook. Let me go and see. Let me refresh my – okay, I'm on the right Facebook page. So let me refresh this here, and we'll see if we can send it back out through social media because I want to make sure you guys can see this. Otherwise, I'll just post it on my wall – that we are now live. But anyway, Raina, it's been so much happening in the news this week. You know, was there anyone, because, you know, we're going to talk about Islamophobia and the atheist community and all of that today. And we're also going to, um, (laughs) you know, talk about some of the lack of accountability and a number of things um, on the show today. But, was there any specific news stories in particular that you were that concerned you or you wanted to you know participate I mean, about i mean not, not really other than the ones that we're pro- we're already going to be speaking on um for the most part um there was there was a story uh i don't know if you heard about this with uh, Rand Paul talking about his uh you know that he lied about his undergraduate degrees and that's oh, yeah. really interesting. That's really mm-hmm. interesting because Ron, uh, Rand Paul attended his um, his father's medical school and was a licensed physician for a number of years. You know, well, the, so you don't I, have to you don't have to have a bachelor's degree to go to grad school, or even medical or law school, if, you can, if you're an apprentice to somebody and they sponsor you. Yeah, but I don't know. It seems like it seems like he's been lying about it for for a long time. So I'm wondering if you know maybe there was also some dishonesty there. You know what I mean? There's some skullduggery in that. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, this this guy is telling people they shouldn't have to wash their hands before they touch our food. You know, it's so interesting. You know, because huh. You know, it, it reminds me of my religious days. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it was this one pastor, and she was up there giving a sermon, 
and she was talking about faith. And she was talking about how some of us have more faith in in fast food workers and having faith in the fact that they wash their hands and they're not coming to work and spreading diseases, you know, coming to work sick with, you know, some diseases that are contagious, how we have more faith that they're going to do the right thing than we had faith. Well, in that, in that, at that time, God. So I just thought it was interesting, you know, just the correlation right there, because to a certain degree, we do when we go to these fast food restaurants, we do automatically assume, not necessarily have faith, but we assume that they are abiding by OSHA regulations, that they are abiding by just you know simple hygiene and sanitation rules. You know, we make these assumptions until we see an outbreak. Most recently, there was another, um, there was an outbreak, and they're asking people to come in because somebody had, um, like, meningitis, and they came into contact with a lot of people. It wasn't at a fast food restaurant, but they were, you know, it was some type of occasion. And I didn't really read the story all the way through, but, I mean, you know, we've seen outbreaks of E. coli and a number of other things from fast food restaurants and, you know, from good grief. Okay, still not doing. Um, you know, in a number of, you know, situations like that. So, I mean, what do you say about that? I mean, that's, I mean, it's it's just, I, I that's why I, I can't, you know, we talk about libertarianism. <laughs> Right, <laughs> a little bit on the last show, and this is why I don't understand, um, particularly some libertarians that are out there. You know that um, the ones that say things like, you know, I I don't understand why we have a regulation on hand washing. You know, a, a lot of regulations are um, for the protection of the public. Right. You know, exactly. not all of them. You know, some of them are kind of frivolous, maybe. You know. But mm-hmm. I would say that the majority of them um, have some sort of public safety element, you know? Okay. And so that's why I just don't understand it. But Rand Paul, like, I just, ugh. But it just, it also kind of goes to show you the sort of white privilege, right, that people right. like him enjoy, right? Because even if he was, um, someone decided to apprentice him, right? Um hmm you know, I mean, that's not a privilege that's usually given to people of color. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It's a privilege that we don't enjoy for the most part. And, you know, again, it comes from the privilege of... Hold on a second here. Hold on. Oh, I hear myself. Sorry about that, guys. Um... Is a privilege that we don't necessarily enjoy, but that's one of the privileges from coming from a wealthy, entitled, privileged life. You know, it was his father's medical program. Of course he was going to graduate with honors. You know, <laughs> specialize in whatever he wanted, you know, to specialize in. And, you know, um, it's just the whole thing is just interesting. And it reeks. And, again, you know, <laughs> we we don't get those privileges. And what, you know, sometimes I'm perplexed about is, you know, how some people out here, 
you know, they, they perpetrate because, you know, Rand Paul is one of those, you know, same people that will tell us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps when right. everything in life has been handed to him. And if right. it wasn't handed because of his father's wealth, you know, he, he was given the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because of his skin color. Right. And so it's just the whole thing. It's like it's, it's just it reeks. It reeks, you know, mm-hmm. and we just have people that just, it's not that they don't understand. They just don't give a damn because it doesn't right. affect them. Right. And then when we complain about it and point this stuff out, oh, you're just jealous. So, you know, it's the whole thing. It's, it's interesting. Um, I just laugh. So, yeah, you know, that Rand Paul thing there, you know, but it's not only him. You know, the question is basically how many others are sitting back and benefiting from, um, you know, privilege and that they don't want to admit to. Because I bet you any amount of money if you were to ask Rand Paul or his dad, you know, if if this was the result of privilege of him being able to go out here and lie and and still, you know, and was able to go to medical school because of his dad, you know, is that privilege? And, of course, he's not going to see it that way. He's just going to say, well, I was fortunate enough and I extended, you know, these, you know, that, uh, that, that opportunity. They're not going to say privilege. They're going to say they extended that opportunity to their son who they knew was of great moral standing and, you know, uh, it was intelligent enough to be able to go to, to medical school without having to finish, you know, his undergrad degree. And so, Either you know, one of his undergraduate degrees. Yeah, it was, or his supposed undergraduate degrees. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. He didn't finish either one that he was claiming, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, so there you go with that privilege right there. But, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but, I mean, we sit back, we've known for these things to happen. We've seen this. We've watched this over the years transpire. You know, that's why I always think it's, you know, ironic when you have, you know, a lot of these um, legislators, you know, whether it's, you know, state, federal, or what have you, when they want to implement things like drug testing and, you know, we come to find out that they have habits, you know, and when you go and you look at the statistics out there, you know, the majority of, you know, abusers of, you know, what's considered illegal drugs at this time, most of the abusers are middle, upper class whites. Yeah, right. And, well, yeah, and, you know, they want everybody to take, you know, uh, a urine sample before they get unemployment or welfare. And they want us to do things that they themselves can't even pass. And it's just, you know, it's the double standards. And it's just interesting, you know, um, and when we, when, um, when people who advocate for the people like us, you know, the proletariat, when when they say, well, why don't we do the same thing, then they, then they want to shut down a bill. 
And then they're like, well, no, that's not necessary. Why do we have to take Well, You're forcing everyone else to take these drug and alcohol tests. Why can't you? Right. But that's different. Yeah, what so was that? I think it was like somewhere in Tennessee where they had the um, mandatory drug testing for people on welfare, and they found 37 um, users out of 16,000 people on welfare in this one, in this one district, I think. It just, right. it just goes to show you how how much of a waste, you know, mandatory drug testing for, you know, people who are on public assistance is, you know. If they're exactly. on public assistance, it's likely that they can't afford it, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's likely that they can't afford it. And in addition to that, you know, it, it goes back into um, the stereotypes, because we've talked about, you know, the stereotyping um, out here, and we're finding more and more that, you know, um, the information has been biased. You know, um, in a lot of cases, you know, people lie with statistics. You know, they twist it around. That's why I laugh when I see those commercials. And they say, you know, um, Three, you know, three out of four doctors agree that this is a great pet food for your dog, you know, or three out of four doctors, but, you know, it could be three chiropractors and right. one vet. <laughs> you know, and the vet is like, this is crap. But the chiropractors right. are like, oh, free food for my animals. Great. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> you know, so you have to look at things. We have to start looking at things, you know, being more critical, okay? Because, you know, we're always talking about critical thinking skills and and logic, but we have to apply that critical thinking to every area of your lives. And that's why I brought up, you know, statistics there, because, you know, for most of us, you know, that, you know, whether you went to university or junior college, you know, it's required that you take you know, certain classes, and many of us took statistics because I'm trying to remember what was in that category besides statistics, and I thought all the classes sucked, but statistics probably It was probably statistics or um, some places they have, like, a financial class, you know. Right. And then other places have, it's just a, um, it's usually, like, a college algebra, you know. Yeah, and I didn't need any of that stuff. It depends on what your major it just depends on what your right. major is. Yeah. So there you go. So, yeah, because um, the math stuff, I had that down, um, so I didn't have to worry about well, Some people test out of all of that, so they don't have to worry about it. Exactly, you know, because I didn't have to do any of the real, well, any of those regular math classes. But, yeah, you know, but, you know, you anyway, so... I was going to a school that was on a 5.0 scale as opposed to a 4.0, and just the requirements were absolutely ridiculous. Not ridiculous that it was bad, just ridiculous because we didn't want to do it. So you see enough how that goes, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to go to one class five days a week, you know, but, you know, that school has turned out some of the greatest minds out here, but... um. Interesting. Anyway, how did I get off into that? Anyway, so, you know, again, we want you all to use critical thinking skills, 
in every area of your lives, even when you're looking at the Pareto commercials, when it says three out of four doctors, you know, you want to ask what kind of doctors. You know, they can be talking about PhDs. There's nothing wrong with PhDs. I don't want anybody sending me an email about that. But I'm saying, you know, you know, you're giving them free food for their animals. They're not. They don't know. The vet, or the vet may be the one saying that this is crap and this is why. So that's why it's three out of four doctors. So, you know, check into all of that. And so, yeah, you know, it was a lot going on this week. Um, we were talking, you know, on in one particular group about the Little League team in Chicago that was stripped of their World Series championship. Yeah, that was and yeah, it was, you know. And, you know, it's like they came home, they had a ticker tape parade, you know, they had won the World Series championship for, you know, baseball. And, you know, we were all happy for them. And it is a rather unfortunate situation. And there were other examples of other teams that were stripped. And so right now the controversy is, was it, you know, racially biased? And, you know, are, should the kids be penalized because, you know, the kids didn't make those decisions. It was management. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a lot of controversy. It should be really interesting watching how this unfolds. But at the end of the day, you know, they're, you know they've been stripped. And I just feel so bad for those kids. You know, it makes me want to do something nice for them. Because remember, one of the young men... You know, um, his family was homeless, and mm-hmm. people turned around and helped him and his, his family out, helped them find a home and all of that. I mean, it was some really, really wonderful humanity that came from that, you know, that situation, and I just hope that that continues. And, you know, I just hope those young people aren't disappointed. I hope they, you know, play, you know, continue to, um, you know, I hope they win another one. Just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope they you win know, another one. You know, just so that everybody can see, like, whatever, whatever you think the case may be. You know, whether you think we cheated or we didn't. You know, we, you know, we were. Our athleticism is enough. You know what I mean? So. Right. Exactly. So you know, we'll just kind of. Leave that right there. And, um, you know, we'll get into the show a little bit. Um, (laughs) All right. So there have been a number of developments um, over the past week in regards, you know, just in the news and especially with the atheist community and the Muslim community And, you know, we had a Twitter chat last Thursday. For those of you that aren't familiar, we do a Twitter chat pretty much every Thursday, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, under the hashtag POC Beyond Chat. Again, that's hashtag POC Beyond Chat. And so we were talking about Islamophobia, you know, just like we had in the byline for today's show. Islamophobia, xenophobia, and the lack of accountability in the atheist community. And, you know, I was 
and if you read the description, I was talking about the no true Scotsman fallacy that we see people saying, oh, well, he wasn't a real atheist. He wasn't a true atheist. He was an anti theist And so it's like watching the hot potato. Let's, um, you know, let's, yeah. let's give some people some more of the details around this shooting, right? So the gentleman, uh, the, the guy who's in question, um, his name is, what is his name? Uh, Craig Hicks, right? Yeah, Craig, and Craig Hicks. He's, and he shot uh, Dia Barakat, 23, Yusor Muhammad uh, Abu Salah, 21, uh, and Razan Muhammad Abusala, 19. And um, he basically, he, you know, shot them all, you know, execution style to the head. Um, in their home? Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, in their home. He went inside their, in their home. home. Yes, he went in, inside their home, yes. And, um, you know, the, <laughs> the way that some of the, you know, his wife and his um lawyer are trying to characterize the shooting is that um, it was over a parking dispute. And I, I did see somewhere where his lawyer was trying to maybe insinuate that Craig Hicks had some mental health issues, um, but they were completely in denial regarding the, um, you know, the possible hate crime that that's transpired, right? And so... Um, and I was going to say, and I find it interesting you know, all of these people are, you know, diagnosing, you know, him and others with mental health issues and don't know shit about mental health. But go ahead. Well, it's not it's not just that. It's it's you know, it's a this tendency in our in our culture, right? To uh-huh. treat um violence by white men as some kind of aberration that has oh, to be explained. It has to be explained by mental illness or some other or some other you know duress or something along those lines as opposed to um as opposed to seeing it for what it truly is because I mean we live in a culture where you know you're much more likely to be murdered by um you know a a white man like Craig Hicks, you know what mm-hmm. I mean than to be murdered by a so called you know Arab or Muslim terrorist, you know what I mean? Exactly. And that is just—I mean—that's just the the fact of the matter. Um, you know, mo- more incidents of terrorism on U.S. soil have been uh, perpetrated by white men than by exactly. anyone else. So we just have to deal with that fact. But um, but yeah, I mean, they're trying to interpret it as a mental illness or some other kind of thing. And um, what is really unfortunate is, is that, um, or, or, or something that I heard the one of the fathers of the victims say was that when they, when he found out that they had been shot, his son, his daughter and her husband, and his, well, his two daughters and her husband, um, he was saying that um, he knew instantly who had done it because this, this had been an ongoing issue with this man. So this was not the first time that he had threatened them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Finish. No, I'm I'm fine. I'm done. 
Go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was, I was just saying, you know, adding to it. It wasn't the first time they had had a run-in with the, the, the gentleman. And, you know, every time he would speak with them or talk to them, he would have a gun in his waistband. Right. You know, and that was his way of attempting to intimidate them. And, you know, he had issues with other neighbors as well. You know, that's right. what's being reported. And, again, you know, you again, what Raina was saying about, you know, people in general in our culture, whenever it's, you know, a white person, how they try to attribute it to, oh, he, he was a lone wolf or he had some type of mental illness or, in some cases, what did they do to provoke him? Right. You understand? And... and all of these things, and I, I posted an article earlier this week, and, and you know, and it kind of ties into a lot of the shows that we've done in the past when we were talking about what happened in Tulsa, Rosewood, Wilmington, and all across this country, and not only to black people, but it happened to Filipino people, it happened to Latino people, it happened to the indigenous people, you know, it happened up in Alaska with the Aleutians, you know, so, and, and, and it's called domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. And the article that I put up, it said, the most common type of American terrorist is a white man with a weapon and a grudge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a really good article, if you all get a chance to um, go back and read it. But, you know, like Raina was saying about, you know, the father of the two young women that were murdered, he was saying that he believed that it was a hate crime. And there are quite a few of us, even in this community, that agree. We also believe that it's a hate crime. And we've and, and, been talking. And you know what? And part of the reason, and part of the reason I believe it's a hate crime, is because is just looking at history, right? The history mm-hmm. of lynching in this country. You know what I mean? Right. Lynchings were not always these, you know, planned events. You know, um, there right. were, you know, there were clan members that did target specific. African American, you know, families or or men or women that they knew were um, engaged in things like uh, trying to promote suffrage for African Americans, you know, and what have right. you. But there were also there was also a lot of incidents of of very of spontaneous racial violence, where exactly. a, you know, person of color um, would you know. Um, do something that was a perceived slight, you know, towards a white person, you know, uh, not, you know, uh, addressing them properly, right? Or, um, you know, perhaps bumping into someone accidentally, you know, and these things would be regarded as, you know, a major or minor slight, whatever. And um, it was an opportunity then for people who were not, you know, happy with, um, you know, people of color asserting themselves or being in or being in certain spaces to reestablish racial order, right? You know, and um, exactly. And this happened, you know, this even happened in the um, Southwest with um, with you know Mexican Americans and and um, and Mexican migrants. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there were I think I was reading somewhere about um, you know because recently there was an article that. Um, came out that talked about how there were, um, how recently they found out that there were at least 700 um, previously unaccounted for 
lynchings in the American right. South. And there That's was right. um, something something that I read where there was, I think it was less than 100, but it was probably much more than that, you know, um, right. of previously unaccounted lynchings um, by, um, you know, of uh, people of Mexican descent, you know, whether they were Mexican-American or otherwise. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, people who were murdered um, for things like, speaking Spanish in places where white people didn't want them speaking Spanish. You know what I mean? Just right. Very, very minor sorts of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And and, and the, what we're seeing, the culture that has been cultivated in Western society in America, you know, not only, you know, we'll get to the atheist community in a few, but right now we're just talking about here in America, period. And, you know, there are people right now who would be more than willing to shoot, you know, a Latino person for speaking Spanish as opposed to English. And I remember the campaign they had, you know, trying to make, you know, force everybody to learn English, you know, in this country. But going back to what Raina was saying about the lynching, because, you know, I, wonder, I don't want to lose my point where I was going with this. You know, there are people being lynched across this country, and this is why we tell people to learn history, because, again, there were Latinos that were being lynched. There were indigenous people who were being lynched. There were Italian people who were being lynched, you know, um, Irish people as well as Filipinos and, you know, just a number of different people who have been lynched in this country over the years, and, you know, that kind of ties into what we were talking about when we talk about ethnic whites, and, you know, when we talk about Irish people and Italian people and, and Polish and Dutch people, they're ethnic whites. They were inducted into that circle, but at one point in time, you know, they were, you know, targets, if you will, mm-hmm. and, you know, what's interesting is, you know, what Raina was talking about, how you know, they would have planned lynchings. Sometimes they would storm the jail and take, you know, the person of color out of jail, you know, and, and, and do their vigilante, you know, um, actions. And basically what, what we've talked about in the past and people need to understand is even in some cases with these lynchings, they would nail the edicts to the church door. And the pastors would come out and go to the homes of their black members and stand outside and say, come outside. We know you live there. We know you're there. And so, you know, tying some of that into religion, because it's interesting, because when we talk about, you know, um, a lot of things in this country, like with some of the, you know, the racism and the sexism and all of that, but especially with some of the discrimination, a lot of people don't realize that quite a bit of that, comes from religion, and that is what put, you know, the religious right together, and it's interesting because even with this story here um, about what happened in North Carolina, you know, you see some of these, you know, preachers coming out, like, you know, we all know Pat Robertson is good for a laugh or two, and John Hagee, just go look to see what they're saying about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like seeing Fox News. You know, and, and it's, it's just interesting because even Fox News condemned the young lady's um, father for saying that it was a hate crime. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, so, 
it's just interesting. You know, where are we going with this, Raina? We were just talking about, you know, the different hate crimes that have happened across this country and, you know, about people understand. Maybe we should define hate crime because that's been subject to some debate in some of these threads that are out there talking about this particular issue. So, um, you know, it says a hate crime is a crime motivated by racial, religious, gender, sexual orientation, or other prejudice. And, you know, hate crimes are based, at least in part, on the defendant's belief regarding a particular status of the victim. Hate crime statutes were first passed by legislatures in the late 1980s and early 1990s in response to studies that indicated an increase in crimes motivated by prejudice. Approximately 30 states, okay, so I mean, I don't really have to get into the rest of this, but um, that is generally um, what a hate crime is. So, um, you know, do you, I mean, what's your opinion? Do you, is, is it your opinion that this was or was not a hate crime? Oh, without a doubt, this was a hate crime. Without a doubt, this was a hate crime. You know, he he showed he he was you know he was engaged in in intimidating this this group before you know for harassing them for you know all types of things you know coming into their home shooting them execution style I think I think it was I I think it, and then and then to hear that he was you know very anti-Islam you know what I mean um, right. You know, it just, it, it all fits, you know. Um, and like I said, it's like, it, you know, the the way I was talking with a friend earlier this week, it's, um, it's unfortunate, you know, the way that um, a lot of hate crimes in this country, you know, go, don't get prosecuted as such. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, legal factors or whatever, and I can't get into it because I'm not really a lawyer, but um, I think that there's a lot of cases where, you know, there is, there's there's enough reason to believe that someone has committed a crime against another person because of their ethnic background or their sexual orientation or, you know, their religion or what have you that go, that don't go prosecuted as hate crimes because, of the the way that these laws are written up, you know? Right. And so I just think it's, I think that is unfortunate. I really do. But I, I just don't, I just don't have any doubt, you know? And right. I think that, and I think that it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what kinds of details come out of um, Craig Hicks's trial. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I think this is a moment where we really need to um, examine how we talk about Islam, you know, to examine exactly. how we talk about terrorism, you know, um, you know, the, the word terrorism, right, is um, actually, I was listening to democracy now, and there was a scholar on the program, and he was talking about um, how he tracked, basically, um, sort of the history of the usage of the word terrorism, and he was saying that a lot of, um, it, it became much more popular, obviously, following 9-11, but he was saying that he traced a lot of its use back to, um, like, the 1960s and 70s and, and you know, in conversations that, um, you know, where Israel was trying to, 
convince people to back Israel in, in its fight against, you know, Palestinian aggression. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, talk, calling the acts, um, the you know, the, the various acts of, of war, acts of violence that they were engaged in, referring to those specifically as terrorism. And, you know, um, it's really interesting. It's like one person's terrorism is someone else's, you know, defense or someone else's, um, someone the else's call. You know, battle for their, right, someone else's battle for their human or civil rights, you know. Right. Um, I mean, even now we're seeing that word being, starting to be used to apply to, you know, just, you know, to, um, you know, to basically civil rights actions, you know, to activism, you know, we're seeing that word being misapplied. And um, honestly, I don't even, I mean, it's at the point now, I just, I really don't even like to use that word um, because, I mean, we saw like just that at the same point that we saw the Charlie Hebdo shooting, you know, that everyone, right. everyone pretty much referred to as terrorism. You know, I mean, it was pretty much widespread agreement that that was a mm-hmm. terrorist action. And, and there seems to be some connections between the shooters and AQAP, right? Um, you know, right. Al-Qaeda, the Arabian Peninsula. So there seems to be connections between them. Um, and no one And no one doubts that. But um, at the same time, there was the NAACP bombing out in Denver, Colorado. And Uh very few people were willing to refer to that as an act of terrorism. You know, we have the Colorado theater shooting. You know, we've had school shootings. We've had, um, what was that guy, Elliot, um, the Elliot guy, I forget his last name, the guy who... um, shot up all of those people on um, that campus in California, you know, and they found his manifesto and his manifesto was full of this, you know, misogynistic language about women and just this hatred of women for not... I'm sorry? In blacks, he had an issue with black people. Yeah, he he did have an issue with blacks, but most prominent in that (laughs) was his hatred of women. For sure, right. But um, right. But yeah, I mean, we've seen all of this go on, and so there's a, and it, and of course we saw after um, after Obama's election, we saw a rise in these um, in participation in these uh, in these local militias, and many of which are actually listed as um, as uh, hate groups by the Southern, Southern right. Poverty Law Center, you know, and um, and you know by other groups as well. So I mean, there's a there's a a, a lot of um, resentment and sort of backlash against um, you know against immigration, uh, you know, or immigrants in this country against you know the gains that minorities have made against you know women's rights. Um, you know, just against all of it, you know, and there's and there's a um, a lot of just you know anti like pretty much anything that's like not white Christian, you know, male, you know what I mean, is being um, right. attacked. I find right now um, a lot of the rolling exactly. back of the voter rights legislation, you know, the expansion yeah. of the incar of the um, carceral system. You know the um, 
you know, just our language, our everyday language about about right. know, immigration. You know, people are not illegal. People are not illegal. Let's just say that. People are not illegal. People are people. We have a right to live. We have rights to water. We have rights to food. We have rights to clothing, rights to shelter. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And we need to recognize that. So people cannot be illegal. These little borders that we have, we have to recognize that while, while you know, we, we may pay taxes or whatever, that these are not, you know, these are, these are man-made boundaries. You know what I mean? And, exactly. you know, and we all live on this planet. You know what I mean? And so we should right. have some investment in making sure that we can all live in, in, in sort of the most um, healthy and comfortable and free ways that we can live. You know, and right. you know the way that mm-hmm. we the way that we talk about people is you know illegal. You know what I mean? As you know, quote unquote terrorists. You know what I mean? Is um, it just it obscures a lot of the things that contribute to poverty, to contribute to violence, that contribute to you know all of these sorts of issues that we struggle with. You know, right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're right when you talk about the language. No, you're right. And this is why, you know, we talk about certain things on this show, and you've heard me talking about language over, you know, the past, you know, since we started the show, but particularly hard the past several months, you know, in light of the Ferguson, you know, protesters and all of that. So, you know, think about what they're calling the protesters. They're calling them low-level terrorists. They're mm-hmm. calling it low-level domestic terrorists. And I've talked to you all about, you know, the protest psychosis and all of this. See, and, and look at how the language is changing. You know, all of a sudden, all you know, not all of a sudden, but, you know, the black kids that, you know, or kids, children of color or young people of color or people of color who may, you know, be, you know, in some type of altercation, they're called thugs. And now they're trying to, you know, change some of the language over and call them terrorists. And, you know, even with the peaceful protesters, now they're being called terrorists. But they don't want to call, you know, these white men and women, you know, because there's been some women going on a terror around this country, too. Anyway, I won't even bring that story up, but it was a story about a woman who was running around with guns and just doing all kind of crazy shit. And she, they took her alive. They didn't well, shoot her. Well, there was her. that couple... There was also that couple, right, that um, they had shot up all those people, and then right. and then killed themselves. In Vegas, yeah. In Vegas, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you know, but they're not called terrorists. So you know, yeah, we want you to be on top of the language. We want you to pay attention to how it transitions and what's happening, because you know what that gentleman was and what he did. I consider that domestic terrorism. He went inside their home. Right. And the reason why, you know, if it had happened in a parking lot, I still would be looking at this with a side eye. Mm-hmm. But, you know, parking over, you know, a parking dispute and they're in a the parking lot, you know, I still would be looking at it, but I probably would, you know, try to, you know, have an even broader, um, you know, purview of this situation. But he went inside their home. But not just that. But given his his previous encounters with them right. and their other and other neighbors, I think that means that right. this is 
much deeper than just a simple parking dispute. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. It's like exactly. in his mind, he needed to uh, to uh, make sure that they understood what the sort of racial, you know, um, citizenship sort of order was within mm-hmm. that complex. You know, right? And he and he, you know, enforced it. You know, exactly. He enforced it the way that he wanted to see it enforced. Go ahead. Hello. No, I was just saying it was an unfortunate situation, and you mm-hmm. know what's interesting. Now we're going to tie it all in. Um, you know what's before we tie it in. Did you hear about what happened in Copenhagen? Uh, yes, I did hear about what happened in Copenhagen. Um, but if you could, um, but I'm not good enough on the details with that yet for me to um, recount, re- you know, to give another account. So if you'd like to do right. that, that'd be great. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to give some general information because I haven't, you know, went in depth about it because, you know, my head has been spinning the past couple of days. But what happened was, there's one person dead, and three people were injured in Copenhagen. And, of course, they're they're calling it a terrorist attack, right? Mm. So sweet artist Lars Vilk, who has faced death threats for caricaturing Prophet Muhammad, was at a blasphemy debate in a cafe, and approximately 200 shots went out. Mm. And one person was killed three police officers injured after armed men opened fire on the cafe. And again, they were debating on, you know, Islam and free speech. And that was happening there, and Lars happened to have been attending this meeting. And again, he's, you know, a Swedish artist who's faced death threats in the past. And also in attendance was Francois Zimmeray. And he was the French ambassador to Denmark, and so you know the the you know they're saying that they were fired upon from the outside, and that they feel that it was the same intention as the you know the January seventh attack you know on Charlie Hebdo, except you know these people couldn't get inside the cafe, mm. so you know they're saying that there were fifty gunshots. And but the police are saying it was 200, and that bullets were flying all over the place, and everybody threw themselves to the floor, and people were, you know, fleeing the room, and it's just interesting, you know. So, you know, we wanted to tell you all about that, and so you can go back and you can read up on this. And you know, the Danish police initially they were saying that they were searching for two suspects. And I guess they, you know, issued a picture for one of the suspects, and I'm looking at it here, and it's like he has this skull cap, like the ones that people in Chicago should be wearing today because it's only two degrees, you know, and it covers your head and your mouth and your ears and all of that. And then they just, you know, started hearing automatic weaponry going off. So, you know, again, we want you all to go out and take a look Um and see what's happening out here. And, you know, the French foreign minister condemned it as a terrorist attack. And so, you know, again, we want you all to look at the difference in how these stories are reported and, you know, what they categorize as a terrorist attack. 
and what they categorize as a quote-unquote misunderstanding, you know. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, yes, we do enjoy free speech in, you know, in America. And it's just, you know, when you start looking at these things, it's like, you know, why are there double standards? And it seems like double standards are, you know, being applied. You know, this this Craig guy, you know, Craig Stephen Hicks, they said he had at least 12 guns and a huge stash of ammo. They went in his home, and his wife was saying that, oh, it was a parking dispute. Of course, she doesn't see it as, you know, a, a, you know, a terrorist attack or a hate crime. And so it's just interesting, you know, they said they they found two shotguns, six rifles, he had an AR-15 carbine, you know, and it's the military style, so if you all know what that is, um, it just, it, it holds a lot of bullets. Uh, I'll just put it that way, you know, you go and look it up, um, they only found eight casings or eight spent casings um, from the shells um, in the apartment, and it's just, this this is unfortunate, and I'm watching the atheist community, and, you know, I'm watching people backpedal. And, you know, again, that comes back to what we were saying, the no true Scotsman. Let me go ahead and define that. And basically, no true Scotsman is an informal fallacy, an ad hoc attempt to retain an unreasoned assertion. And basically, you know, you'll hear this, from believers when they'll say, well, that wasn't a real Christian, that was not a real follower of Islam, or that was not, you know, a real Catholic, that was not, you know, someone who followed, you know, Buddhism closely. So, and this is their way of distancing themselves. And this is what we're seeing over here. Well, he really wasn't an atheist, he was an anti-theist. And, you know, there were people going to his Facebook page and, you know, there were some people in this community that were um, basically balking and a little upset that they shared friends with him. And in some cases, they were Facebook friends with him. And so, you know, I saw some, you know, rather interesting um, status updates going through my news feed but, because one particular person said that they weren't going to unfriend him. They were going to keep him on as a Facebook friend because, you know, um, you know, I'm not even going to get into all of their reasons, but you still have people in this community, you know, they're still waiting for all the facts to come in, but yet with some of these same people, they automatically label Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown as stuff right. and label the police the good guys. That's a whole different story. I'm not trying to drag that into this. But, you know, we're seeing a lot but of... But it applies, though. But it applies, right? Because we're talking about incidents where, um, where you know, the victims in those cases were not presumed innocent, even though they hadn't actually engaged in any in any real crime, right? And, and, and certainly, in Mike Brown's case, not a crime that merit, merited his death. You know what I mean? If exactly. if one believes that he actually stole cigars, right? It's like, okay, if you, if you grant that he stole cigars, one has to admit that the theft of cigars or the theft of basically anything does not merit 
you know, murder, right? That's penalty. So, right. Huh? Right. So, or execution. It's lied to street, you know, um, you know, a street execution by a police officer doesn't merit that. Right. So, you know, in this case, we have someone who went into someone else's home. You know what I mean? And regardless of what he was angry about, he had no right to enter their home and had no, and certainly no right to take, to take their lives. Right. You know what I mean? And yet we have these people who are now, you know, defending him, waiting for all of the, you know, the quote-unquote evidence to come in. It's just, it's a crock of shit. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. It's a crock of shit. And the reason, and the reason why they're, they're doing all of this is because there is a, a, a racial, you know, component to this. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, is, you know people who practice Islam do not constitute a race. You know what I mean? But for the most part, people who practice Islam are, are brown people. They're brown-skinned people. You know, they're, right. they're not white, and they're not thought of as typical Americans, just as, you know, black people, in a sense, are still not regarded as American, as fully American. Exactly. Right? Right. And so, you know, we just have to acknowledge that fact, you know, that, you know, there there is a, a strong, uh, you know, group within this country or star, a strong ideology in this country that feels that um, Islam is counter to American values. You know, mm-hmm. people who um, come from elsewhere should assimilate, you know, right. to our culture and to our values. And if they, if they don't, um, that, you know, they represent some kind of threat, you know, just by virtue of being there, you know. Right. And um, and it's just really, really unfortunate um, to see that people are um, engaging in that kind of behavior just because the victims in this case happen to be, you know, Muslims mm-hmm. and happen to practice Islam, a religion that they don't agree with. You know, exactly, really exactly. And, you know, and I've talked about this on the show, you know, hinted at it, and I haven't really gone in depth. And, you know, maybe we need to do a show going in depth about how this current, quote-unquote, atheist movement, this, you know, um, resurgence of atheism, especially in America, how this is a byproduct of 9-11. Right and the war on terrorism, this is a direct result of that. You know, what you're seeing, the upsurge of, you know, of of, of non-belief. And, you know, I need to do some more research, you know, because, you know, again, we research these these shows. But, you know, um, it's just really interesting. Uh Um, You know, how all of this came about and... It's just, it's just it's mind-blowing because, you know, sometimes I sit back, I read these things, and I start putting it all together because, again, you know, I say question everything, and I question mm-hmm. everything, even stuff that we see in this community. And this is why you hear us talking about Islamophobia in, in the secular community, in the atheist community, and, you know, how dangerous it is. 
because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, every year, don't they have a, you know, a Draw Muhammad Day every yes, year? Yeah, Draw Muhammad Day, I think. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like Draw Muhammad Day has been a, a thing since at least 2009. So I don't right. remember. I don't remember how far back it goes, but I think I, I recall. I, I remember that I became aware of Draw Muhammad Day around somewhere in 2009, and um, and I thought that it was an okay and you know sort of clever idea until I happened to see what kinds of things people were drawing. Exactly. You know what I mean? And exactly. you know it was it it became very obvious to me after a while that um, it wasn't just about criticizing religion or um, criticizing the element within Islam, because it's not everyone who's a Muslim believes that um, drawing Muhammad is like this offense that merits murder, right? Um, right. Not everyone believes that, but... Um, and and but you know that doesn't mean that they necessarily think that it's respectful or anything. But um, right. you know there was a, and I just was going to say that there was a um, there was one um, Islamic artist I think who I don't think she was supporting Charlie Hebdo, but she was basically saying that um, you know that she didn't think that it merited that sort of a thing and that there needed to be some kind of dialogue about um, about you know about you know freedom of speech and what have you. But um. I mean, people drew some heinous things. I mean, um, you know, just every sort of stereotype that exists about um, people who practice Islam, about Muslims, about people from the Middle East, you know, um, in North Africa, rather. Um, you know, just every sort of, yeah, <laughs> whatever, you know, they like to call it the Middle East, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it just every sort of... <laughs> Every sort of uh, stereotype that exists regarding, you know, people of the Islamic faith um, was just trotted out, and it was horrible, like, some of the things that people were drawing, you know? Exactly. I mean, really, really nasty things, you know, really dehumanizing stuff. Exactly. It was, See, it was really unfortunate. Talk, yeah, you know, because I want us to talk about humanity, but my question is this. If you continue... Picking on people, you know, a group of people or or individual person, and you pick and you pick and you pick and you pick, and your friends join in, and then they're picking and they're picking and they're picking, and you get an explosive response. What the hell will you expect them to happen? Well, I mean, I think I think part of it, um, and and you know, I I agree with that. Like, you know, there's a there's there just comes a point where, and and, and I'm part, and I, I'm gonna you know kind of expand on that example that Kim gave because you know we're mm-hmm. we're at a point right now where um, there's a lot of anti-Muslim hostility that's out here. You know we've been engaged in, you know, and, I mean some people have even termed you know the war in. Um, in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan as, class of, uh, as a clash of civilizations. You know what I mean? Um, some people have, you know, I mean, some of these movies that have come out about um, the war in Afghanistan and, and things like that have been um, very anti-Muslim, very anti 
people from the Middle East, you know, they don't represent them as having any humanity. The conversations that we have about the culture of people who practice Islam is generally, I mean, it's, it's so derogatory, it's so denigrating. I mean, you know, to hear people say that they have a culture of death, you know what I mean? And, you know, one questions that as a, as a person of color. I mean, I, I question that as a person of color. I'm like, I, I believe that we have, a, we, we have a culture of death just as much as anyone else. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. But it's um, not more so. It's not more. It's so. not more Go so. Ahead. It's not more so. Exactly. You know. So it, you you always hear these these conversations, and it's not just about oh, I disagree with, um, you know, uh, the belief that Muhammad was uh, had a direct line to God, right? I disagree. It's not. It's, it's not just a matter of that. It's about casting the entire culture, right? as somehow backward or as, um, you know, as lacking in, in humanity, right? Um, you know, as being uncivilized. And it's just, it's, it's very, it's white supremacist, it's very westernized, um, you know, western-centric thinking, you know, and, um, and, it, and it has a tendency to lend itself to the dehumanization of people who practice Islam, you know? It just it, that's what it, ha- it has a tendency to do, and we are, and we have to remember that right now the United States is engaged in this is is engaged in the war where we have <clears throat> unlawfully held people prisoner, exactly. you know, where we've engaged in in spying and um, other sorts of human and civil rights violations against people who practice Islam because we're we exactly. we're you know, we are, we just believe that there's some kind of culture of violence that comes out of Islam, whereas most Muslims are, are, are peace loving individuals and they're, and they're, they go about their lives, you know, but, um, but we also have to recognize the contribution of the West to, to this anti-Western and American, anti-American sentiment that exists among some people, certainly among the people who join up with, you know, AQAP or ISIS, you know, um, you know, there, we have a contribution to that, whether we like it or not. And it's, and a lot of it has to do with the legacy of Western intervention in these countries and, and setting up, you know, despotic dictatorships and, you know, um, you know, having these, having unfair relations, you know, that um, basically, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, and I find it funny how we'll be on Team A until somebody on Team A pisses us off or we can't control Team A anymore. Then you flip over to Team B, but you've given Team A all the weapons and all the training. Now you got to go over to Team B to teach them how to fight Team A with your own weaponry and your, your expertise, and then eventually you get tired of Team B and you run back to Team A. This is what we're seeing in a lot of these countries. It's just interesting. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not following the whole A V team team A team B thing. But <laughs> what I think I get what you're generally trying to say. <laughs> okay. So a lot of people, are, you know, um, maybe or may not be aware that Osama bin Laden and his crew were trained by okay, the CIA. Okay, that's where you were going with that. I'm sorry about that. Okay. 
Yeah, okay, go ahead and finish. But you know what? It could be applied in some personal stuff, too, with Team A and Team B. But I wasn't talking about that. I'm talking about, well, you know. Well, no, I didn't think we were, but I was, I was just, I just wanted clarification on, on which team right. we were talking about. So, yeah, right, right, that, that, right. that has a, that's a familiar story, but I wanted some specifics. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so let me put it in context. So, Osama yeah. Bin Laden, that was our dude for a minute. And then we found out that he wasn't going to play ball 100%. The CIA got mad and went to the other team and started training the other team how to fight against Osama and his folks. And so, you know, and and then they had to get rid of Osama. You know, the same thing with Saddam Hussein and the same thing with Gaddafi. And so this is why, you know, we want you all, the same thing even over there in Africa. You know, you all need to go and, and, and do some research and, and understand the role that not only the CIA, but the NSA and, you know, some other organizations we don't know the name of. I know we got Well, just look at Boko Haram. Just look at Boko Haram, right? I mean, in, 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 the, in the period of, of, of English colonialism, right, of Nigeria, mm-hmm. the, the, the Muslims uh, in the north, you know, were basically in charge of the country. Exactly, and then, and then later, and then later, because of um, because of the you know War of Independence and everything, it, then the power dynamic switched, and the in the South people uh, embraced Western education, but people who in right. the North they didn't they they wanted to retain their their Islamic values, their Islamic culture, you know, what I mean? right? And so there became this disparity in power and an industry between the, the North and South that got exploited by Western interests. You know what I mean? And so exactly. now we're at a point where we have um, Boko Haram trying to reestablish itself, you know, right. in, in Nigeria and trying to, um, you know, shift the balance of power. You know? Right. But this is a situation that was caused by Western in- intervention. Same with, you know, Rwanda, you know, in terms of the, you know, the Hutus and the Tutsis. You know, there's, I mean, you know, the Congo, the ongoing, I mean, people forget, like, the, you know, there, there are parts of Africa that are, are in, in a constant civil war that we never hear about, you know, and, and, and a lot of Western interests are taking advantage of these sorts of things. And I think there was actually a recent report that came out. I think it, I don't remember what, uh, what the institution was, but I'll, I'll look it up and I'll put it on Kim's wall. But um, I'd actually heard about it on the Boxy now, but they were talking about how um, there was a study done and they were looking at um, historically when, at, at what point, you know, um, or, or what makes it more likely that what, that the United States or other Western forces will intervene in a particular situation. Right. And right. um, almost always in those situations, it involves some kind of mineral or uh, mineral um, wealth or fossil fuel that they want to, you know, exploit, you know. So right. it's, um, that's pretty much always what determines it, some kind of, some kind of material resource that they want to right. exploit. And yeah, and that's why I'm telling you all, keep an eye on Kenya. It's been happening for a while. Kenya has oil. So keep mm-hmm. an eye on that. But I also want to make sure that, you know, and I think we've done in the past, but not recently, 
to send our condolences to, you know, those people over that Boko Haram. You know, they they they've set people on fire. Over two thousand people were massacred, yeah. and you know, and and they suspended the election because they were claiming they were suspending the election because of you know the terrorism that was happening over there. So we just want you all to keep an eye on that and 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 to be aware of what's happening. But let's bring it on back to center here. Um, you know, again, you know, we've seen. But I mean, but I know, mean, even in the even in the discussions, I would just want to say, but even in the discussions that we that we have about Boko Haram, there's a lot of a lot of sort of anti-Muslim sentiment, and there, you know, people trying to um, trying to basically tie. Islam to this type of barbarism, and I'm like, and you know, and I'm like, but that is such an ahistorical perspective when one considers just the legacy of Christian, you know, barbarism. You know what I mean? Yes. And the use of, and the use of Christianity to to sub, to subjugate people all over the all over the planet, really. You know what exactly. I mean? It's just um, yeah. it has a it has a, a just as long of a history if not, you know, longer, you know, than, um, you know, than what we're seeing in terms of Islam and, and its violence. So, you know, it's, but it's not, it's not necessarily, it's all in how you use it, right? Like, you know, exactly. there are people who are, you know, it's like you can interpret the book any way that you want. This is part of why I left religion, right? Like, because, you know, you can, you can take any particular um, passage and it can be read in, in, in so many different ways. You know what I mean? You can use it to basically justify anything, which is you exactly. know why I left religion. But you know, it's like there are people who who read into the read into the Quran and read into these holy texts, you know, um, violence, right? And um, it, or, or they use it to justify their their retaliation to, to to whatever they see as the injustice that they're facing, right? And then there are mm-hmm. people who read into it, you know, peaceful things, you know. Um, you know, humanity expanding sorts of things, you know, so it's, it, it can go either way. But I, I just, and I also just want to, again, when we talk about violence, we have to be very careful about how we talk about violence, you know. And just like right. Kim was saying, you know, for, for one person's terrorism is another person, part of another person's fight for freedom, you know. So we just have to recognize that, um, you know that we we stand on we stand in the United States and we we benefit from all of these sorts of things, but we also have a, a you know whether you want to acknowledge or not we all have a very particular ideological to us we 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 see the United States as some kind of you know peacekeeping force some kind of force for good you know and all those sorts of things and we have to challenge that. We have to recognize that there are things that the United States has done absolutely wrong and has been on the wrong side of history on, you know, a number of times. And um, and so some of the things that we're dealing with are things that are direct responses to the to the wrongs that we have either dealt out ourselves or the wrongs that we've supported, you know, exactly. and we just have exactly. to recognize that. Right. And see, you know, I'm going to make a quip and then I'm going to go into my, you know, tie it into what you're talking about, not the quip, but did you or did you not find it quite um, interesting and possibly entertaining or amusing 
how when President Obama made his comments about the Crusades and the Inquisition, and, you know, um, John Hagee and the, the rest of the religious right almost lost their mind. I think they were about to throw a rod, you know, because he was, that was just real interesting. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up for those of you that yeah, aren't it was, aware. It was a great. It was a great. Um, uh, it was it was a great uh, point that he made. And um, I heard some some woman, some some really misinformed. You know, I don't even want. I don't want to call her crazy. You know, some misinformed. Right. You know, just uh, you know, this hyperbolic. You know, sort of. Um, oh. You know, you heard his hyperbolic use of the of the term that it was like of the term rape. She was basically saying that what Obama exactly. said was like a verbal rape, and it just uh, I couldn't I couldn't yeah I, mean, I couldn't you can't stand follow that the use logic. of that term. Yeah, right, there's, just right, no, right. there's just no logic in that, and it was um, I mean, rape is rape. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as a verbal rape. Period. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right, 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 right. No such thing as a verbal rape. Right. And so now, you know, I kind of want to direct this into the humanity part because, you know, again, you know, people are, you know, what I've seen a lot of in, in the atheist community because it's time to pull this old damn, you know, this shit up out the closet. Um, basically, I've seen people in the atheist secular community attributing, you know, a lot of you know, these bad characteristics or what have you, like racism, sexism, and and, and, and a lot of violence. They are tethering it to religion, tethering it to Christianity, and tethering it to Islam. And what's interesting, in, 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 in many of these cases, they want to group people, but they themselves want to be seen as individuals. And, you know, again, we've talked about how some of the people... Um, in this community have said, oh, I used to be racist, but after, you know, I left religion and became an atheist, I was no longer racist. And we all know that's a crock of bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole thing is, like, you know, really interesting because, you know, we're seeing, you know, people blaming, you know, the behavior of some of these individuals that, you know, are you know, exacting revenge or what have you because they felt that you disrespected their religion, you're blaming everybody. You're blaming, you know, the and we have to learn how to separate it, you know, because, you know, you hear believers when they say you can hate the sin and not the sinner, and you hear atheists out here saying you can hate the belief and not the believers, but yet you still want to group people, you know, just lump them all together. And that's not fair. And you fight against people lumping you together as non-believers or, you know, secularists or humanists or what have you. And so, you know, again, some of the same bigotry that we point out in, you know, these different religions, for some odd reason, we have such a hard time pointing it out here. Because, you know, um, one of the arguments that I saw about this Craig Hicks, and I see we have a call, I'll get right to you, give me a moment, um, about this Craig Hicks guy was some of his writings on his, you know, Facebook wall, allegedly, you know, um, were, you know, basically dehumanizing 
you know, Muslims. So he didn't see them as fully human. And I guess the reason why that hits home with me and possibly Reina is because that's the same argument that's been used against people of color, namely black people in this country. And it's still used in many right. cases. And, you know, what's interesting, I have to go back to something Raina said earlier when she was talking about the number of militias and hate groups that, you know, rose after President Obama came to power. There was a story that came out in the past several days about how they are now on college campuses. And this has been going on for a while, but they just yeah. got a cover yeah. speech about, you this know, they're going just on. over at Towson several years ago. There was an incident where, uh, well, not an incident, but there was a um you know, it became, you know, public knowledge that there was a um, Towson University student who was um, coming up with a, um, I don't I don't think he called it the Klan, but basically it was supposed to be this white group that was supposed to, you know, be for the protection of Towson students. Now, if anybody knows anything about Towson, Towson is not an area that's actually known for being violent, you know what I mean, right. or having a lot of issues with crime, you know, not particularly right. You know, not like right. a campus like, you know, Johns Hopkins, which is much more accessible to the city, right? Right. Than Towson. You know, you have to get on a bus to get out of Towson. It's out in the county. You know, not many places to go. Um, right. But it was just it was just really upsetting. And, of course, Towson is actually always, you know, has a long history <laughs> of having um, issues on campus with racism and whatnot. But I just wanted to point that out because that, um, that's something that I, that I have – that I know about from, you know, from my home t home state, you know, so I just wanted to give that right. example. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's a great example. And, you know, we're seeing more and more student groups um, coming on these college campuses, you know, recruiting for, you know, militias and Aryan groups and all of that. So we want you all to be aware of this and in, in, in the environment that is cultivating, and there were a couple of people in. I see you, caller. Don't don't lose. I'll be there. Um, you know, there were a couple of um, comments that I saw on my news feed from different people in this community, and they were basically pointing the finger at the atheist community. And I mean, this is nothing new for those of you that have been listening to this show. You know exactly where we stand, and you know, uh, I'm just at the point now. I'm taking all the filters off, and I'm throwing the bridle away, period. And basically, um, you know, they were talking about how, to a certain degree, how they felt that the atheist community kind of cultivated some of that animus or some of that animosity that Craig Hicks felt for you know, these these um, young people, for those Muslim students. And so, you know, there's been some debate going on, and there's been some friending, some unfriending. I've seen some Twitter fights, you know, and I'm just, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. But it goes back to what we've said about this community. They would, and I've seen this in many, many cases, and we've talked about it, and you all know where we stand. We see people literally burying their head in the sand. And, you know, hoping that if they ignore the racism, ignore the sexism, ignore the homophobia, ignore the Islamophobia, that all of this would magically go away. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, 
they are slow to respond, and I have yet to see them actually chastise anyone. I and mean, I'm talking about mainstream organizations, including some of you know some some of these celebrity atheists, you know, and particularly the white ones, you know, in shutting some of this down, and they have yet to do it. And 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 it's like you, I've seen them hopscotching all over Twitter the past several days. And until they address these issues and deal with it, it's only going to get worse. You know, let's get this caller in before, you know, because I'm getting ready to go in, because it's like, you know, we complained a couple of years ago about that Dusty dude, and look what he just did again. And this time it was even worse than, well, not, not to me, it's, it's nothing worse or better. They were both equally bad because he should not have done either one. But now I find it interesting that there are some people who are now jumping on a bandwagon and wanting to tisk, tisk, tisk and wag their finger at him, whereas a couple of years ago, oh, it was funny, you, you choose to be offended, he said nothing wrong. But now because of expediency, you want to wag the finger, and I know in, in real life you don't give a shit. And now we're getting these non-answers even in regards to this. You know, uh, I hesitate to, to, you know, respond or talk about these news stories because it makes people turn against each other and all of this. And you give a big non-answer. And I'm mm -hmm. seeing this a number of different people. But anyway, let's pull – and you know this. You've seen these long-winded non-answers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. I'm I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Go ahead and bring the caller in. <laughs> yeah, let's bring the caller in. 661. May we ask who's calling? Hello, this is Red Ninja. Hey, Red. <laughs> How you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you, ladies? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing real good. Did you want to weigh in on some of this commentary here? Oh, yes. Um, what I wanted to say about that was that um, the whole situation with Craig Hicks, um, it's really become kind of an egg on the face of, you know, the atheist community in particular. And right. the reason why I say that is because um, – what a lot of the, and you, I don't know if you mentioned this, I've only listened to about 20 minutes of the show up to this point, um, but I think what's interesting is how much of this kind of, how much of the Islamophobia was actually hijacked by the religious right. They don't realize just how much they actually played into, into the religious right's hands by coming out with a lot of the rhetoric that they did against exactly. um, people that actually practice Islam. Because the, the whole thing that we were trying to say from the get-go is that if you're going to criticize Islam, you've got to criticize the idea and not the people. And I fear exactly. that um, what the atheist community is not taking responsibility for is by doing the exact opposite. They criticize the people and the ideas. And exactly. when, you, when, you, when you're faced with somebody who does both, and carries it out in a very literal fashion, um, and you fail to say, this is what happened, 
we have to take responsibility for this and, and own the fact that somebody from the atheist community did commit violence in the name of an ideology and that it is wrong and that we do have to readjust our attitudes and how we approach it. It's like so many people just have this kind of way of saying, oh, well, that's not really the issue. The issue is, is that this guy was just a lone wolf. He was a psychopath. And guess what? He probably was. But at the same time, that opens up a lot of doors for other Christians to say, well, what about all these other people that you, la- that you labeled psychopaths and lunatics that really weren't? Are you going to say that no true Scotsman applies here but not over here? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and the other, but the other part of that whole, like, the whole mental health issue is that, um, first of all, first of all, um, people with mental health issues who are of, you know, of color, right? Well, mental health issues in this country aren't really treated seriously anyway. But what I find right. with, um, with white people being labeled as mentally ill when they can, you know, when they engage in this type of violence is there's some sort of talk about compassion, Right. And trying to and trying to understand why they did this. You know what I mean? And there's this fundamental assumption somehow that like white people are generally well meaning and good. And that's not to and I'm not saying that to say that white people are evil or whatever inherently or something like that. I don't believe that people are necessarily good or evil, you know, by nature. I just think that I just think that the way that we talk about about mental health in these sorts of situations just reinforces sort of the racial, uh, the white supremacist, you know, racial theory that white people right. are good and, and you know, honest and truthful and, and virtuous, you know what I mean? And that people of color, there's something, something wrong with them, something defective, you know what I mean? Right. That we don't need to understand. Right. They're defective on their own. Whereas we need exactly. to understand why someone who's white and, and therefore m- virtuous would engage in this sort of behavior. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah right. And, 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 and the other thing that we have to remember, too, the other thing that we just, we just have to remember that if somebody who calls themselves an atheist um, is being violent, we have to say, well, we have to check ourselves. We can't sit here and just say, oh, well, he was a lone wolf that doesn't represent all atheists because of the fact that several atheists in particular, especially when it comes to Islam, are violent. Exactly. And they, they can they can and that And that's why, and that's why I think over. I was really angered by this whole situation, the atheist community's reaction to it, because anytime there's some sort of violence that goes on, even when it's not, you know, necessarily a religious group, because I see a lot of people talking um, that we're talking about the um, quote-unquote violence in Ferguson, right? Because I don't believe right. that that is violence. I think that that is, you know, basically destruction of property. I don't equate destruction of property with violence because property right. is not is not living. It's not human. We have insurance for property. We can't restore exactly. people's lives. So, um, you know, there's, there was all that discussion around that. And so there were people like Dusty, right, who were saying that, you know, black people need to check ourselves. You know what I mean? This is why white people are racist towards you, you know, because of behavior like that, right? And there's all of, right. always, anytime there's some sort of um, Arab or, or Muslim, you know, um, 
violence, right? There's always these calls, not just from atheists, but just from, you know, Western culture that Muslim, right. that good Muslims, right, or people who weren't engaged or, or don't support that kind of behavior, come out and denounce it. You know what I mean? Right. As though they right. as though they somehow have to take ownership of it. And um, right. you know, I'm not I'm not stating that like every atheist in this community, not all atheists in this community, have been engaged in that behavior. And I so don't, so I definitely don't think that we're all responsible. But I do think that we if we're if we're if we're going to be honest and if we're going to be consistent, we need to have conversations about what we contribute to this anti-Muslim flavor that exists in the West and how that contributes to violence, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I want to to take that a little bit further, you know, because not only with, you know, the anti-Muslim bigotry and violence, you know, that is being cultivated, but even also with the Christianity, because you have people out here castigating the entire Christian community, and you have people out here, you know, again, you know, pathologizing the black Christian community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way I see it is with, you know, the way that a lot of this is being done and the way that it's being heralded and encouraged is basically, to a certain degree, I'm starting to feel as though those communities are being set up to be sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. And we yeah, don't know and- what's going to take place. I know I won't be participating in it because I don't participate in it now. And we're right. condemning it now. And I'm going to condemn right. it then. And if I have to, I will go out and fight with the Christians against the atheists. Especially if they're being them specifically if they're Christian or Muslim, wrong is wrong, and the atheist right, and community. Right, and I was saying this is why you and I have been talking about you, you and I, and others have been talking about white supremacy in the atheist movement because there is this fundamental assumption that people of color are somehow um, lacking in reasoning abilities, and that they're yeah. and that somehow religiosity among people of color is right. um is just it it it's somehow worse, right? That it's somehow right. an it, evil it, it, that explains Right, I was gonna say yeah, and it's somehow yeah, an I'm sorry, honey, go ahead. I was gonna say and there's somehow that it that our our engagement with religion somehow explains our how backwards we are. You know what I mean? Why our communities look the way that they do, you know, why we have the problems that we have, you know, nothing that focuses on structural racism or structural inequality or white supremacy in general, but things that focus on on casting us as backwards, as defective because of our engagement with religion. And And, I think that's I got to hold on, Red. Hold on, Red. I got to say this okay. because you know they 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 try to paint that religion is the nucleus of mm-hmm. all of our problems, and if we gave up religion, all of these other things would magically fix itself. And you couple that and intertwine that with that libertarian, you know, thought process and and ideology that they're mixing in here. You know, it, it's 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 going to be interesting because, again, you know, the way that I see some of the people and, 
how, you know, they're basically, the way that I see it is they're creating their own version of, you know, black atheists or Latino atheists or white atheists or what the hell ever, you know, their own evangelists and sending them out into these communities. And and, and I just see chaos and havoc. And I see it coming. And I see it coming. And this is why the rest of us are over here. We're amazed. And this is why many of us are taking a step back. And, you know, this is why many of us are at the point that we're even hesitant to call ourselves atheists and ready to get our own wooden cross and, you know, a damn necklace of garlic, trying to get away from some of these people because (laughs) some of the things that we're seeing is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, again, you know, you see there's a lot of white and black nationalism in this community. Keep your eyes open. And we're not going to stop talking about it. So anyway, Red, I'm sorry, Carla. What would you like to add? I know what was I well what I was gonna say was that um a lot of the a lot of the kind of attitudes that you know Christians are somehow lacking in reasoning was something I actually had to confront with in myself and challenge within myself and say, you know you need to take a step back and check yourself and understand that somebody's religion has absolutely no bearing on their intelligence, right? Right. And once I realized that, like you said, you know, I couldn't just be an evangelist for non-belief, I had to be, and and understanding that creating this kind of ideological, um, I would say, halo around yourself does you no favors. Um, It forced me to really confront my own ideas and my own reasons for non-believing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it, it forced it forced me to really have to do a real like examination and in certain cases even apologize and say, you know what, I was wrong to say that. I was wrong to approach the issue that way and I'm sorry, I was wrong. And here's how I could fix this and here's how we get to repair our relationship. And it made things a lot easier for me and it made it caused people to actually respect me more because I was willing to say, you don't have to think like I do to be considered a good person. I will let the religious right do that. I won't allow myself to do that. Exactly. And, you know, I agree with you. And I I, I was also going to say that in addition to what you were saying, that the other thing that you also learned being in this community is that non-belief has no uh, positive effect on intelligence. You are no smarter for being a non-believer <laughs> than anyone that's dumber for being a believer. Exactly. And then also, you are not more moral for being a non-believer. You know, because I've seen people in this community saying that because they're a non-believer, they are more moral than non-believers because, you know, um, the Bible teaches Im- immorality and all of that. I've seen all of that craziness. I'm trying oh, to remember I'm what sorry. I'm sorry. I want to I I clarify something, too, because somebody's going to come back and they're going to post up that study about how um, believer or non-believers tend to be more intelligent or whatever. But I just also want to point out that, like, um, 
you know, what that misses is uh, what we're saying intelligent. We're not just talking about, you know, possible, you know, the scores on an IQ test, which I don't necessarily think encompasses all of human intelligence, but we're also talking about just emotional IQ. We're talking about our, our ability to recognize, you know, hypocrisy, you know what I mean? And just, you know, how, when we're being inhuman towards other people, you know, so that's just, that's, that's also what we're talking about. And just sort of these um, horrible leaps in judgment that you see made in the atheist community, right? So that's what we're kind of referring to. Yeah. Exactly. We're not just talking about that. just IQ scores. <laughs> right. And I, oh, yeah, and I have not- to say about that, too. You may be, as an atheist, you may be more intelligent about religion, but that doesn't make you intelligent in all things. You may be more right. intelligent about recognizing fallacies when it comes to supernatural belief, but you, that doesn't make you any more intelligent about every other aspect of what you consider to be your philosophy, whether it be political, right. whether it be sexual. Um so there's plenty of flaws in other areas of your life that you could stand to address besides religious belief. You may be intelligent right. about supernatural beliefs, but there's plenty of other biases that you're less intelligent about that Christians have the upper hand on. Right. Frankly. Right. And not just that, but and, and, and a good example of that is like, you know, if you look at like Richard Dawkins, right? Like Richard Dawkins is obviously a very intelligent person, you know, well, you know, biologist, you know, who's contributed <laughs> quite a lot of to, to our understanding about, you know, about genetics and, and about, you know, evolution, right? So, right. you know, obviously not, and, you know, not someone who's unintelligent, but he has said some of the stupidest things <laughs> that I have ever heard, you know, regarding, you know, uh, you know, people who are, who practice Islam, regarding women, you know, even, you know, in, in some ways, just how he treated, you know, the, James Watson incident and talking about race and some other things, you know what I mean? So, you know, right. Richard Dawkins, while obviously intelligent in one area, you know, clearly it has not spilled over into his, you know, into other areas, particularly how he engages with social media. So, Let me add some, because I wanted to add this, and I don't remember if I was having this conversation with you or, you know, one of my other really, really good friends that know how to talk me off the ledge, right? So, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> no, just kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, you know, I was on a war path. So, um, yeah, and I'm still not necessarily off of it. Don't think I'm still not apologizing. And so, anyway, um,. The hell, where was I going? Anyway, I was talking about the difference in my life from when I was, whether I was a believer or just a non-recognized agnostic or atheist, because I think I held on to agnosticism and deism for a while before I acknowledged my atheism. Right, and so one of the things that I learned as a believer, and, and, and I still apply it to myself today because I, I just, this makes me feel better as a person, and this is how I'm able to calm myself down when I'm just, like, nosebleed angry, right? Um, mm-hmm. I introspect. Right. I introspect. Was I talking to you about that, Raina, about how when we were believers, how we were taught to introspect and to look at ourselves and and, and 
to try to put ourselves in other people's shoes to have empathy. Was that conversation? Did I have that with you? I, I believe that we had a, a similar conversation maybe a long time ago, but um, okay. I don't think we had that recently. No. Okay. So yeah, with someone else that I was talking with, but I, I think it's important, you know, for me. Can't speak for anyone else. But, you know, when I'm in certain situations, I try to go back and I try to introspect. I try to look at it from a number of perspectives, and when need be, I will go back and and make things right. Um, right. But um, I don't see a lot of that over here because one of the things that I've noticed in this community, number one, is like herding cats, and, and number two, yes. everybody, they're right. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a disconnect. And, you know, I know people look at me and, you know, there are some people out there, oh, I don't want to hear anything she has to say, especially if they have some personal ought against me, if there is some type of animosity between two. Because, I mean, there is beef out there. And, and right. it, that's just how it goes. But, you know, there are some things that we do need to work on as people. And I'm not going to say as the community, but me as a person, there are things that I have to do. And these are things that were instilled in me as a child and growing up, and I still implement them as an adult. So it's just interesting, and this is what helps me to kind of look at these things a lot differently. And so I just think it's important. I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, in a lot of cases we'll see in this community, we see dehumanizing, um, you know, behavior. We hear the dehumanizing yeah. rhetoric. We see these conversations. And, and and then also, even in this community, there is a lack of understanding for history. There is a lack of appreciation for history. You'll see some people in this community, yeah, we need more jails. More guns, but you know the minorities don't need the guns. They need to be peaceful, and you know and you, you sit back and you look at it. And then I, sometimes I'll see people of color joining in on some of these conversations, and in some cases they're even you know grand marshaling the parade on you mm. know certain things that are definitely you know built on white supremacy, and they get mm. angry when we bring it up and we point it out. Because to some of us, it's clear as day, but it doesn't fall into their agenda. And so, you know, it's just interesting. Anyway, I was just on my soapbox there for a minute. Well, yeah, and the, because, the, to talk about that, mm -hmm. too, like the agenda, the agenda is to make people, the agenda, at least when it comes to, you know, the right, and when you talk about, like, how several, like, atheist organizations are, are willing to espouse these attitudes and say, Oh well, you know this black person here over here agrees with me. The, it, the entire agenda is to simply allow the I, your image to look more diverse than it really is by saying, "Well, this black person over here agrees with me too," uh, and this Latino over here agrees with me, and therefore I'm right because I can mm -hmm. have an opinion and it be diverse. It doesn't just because mm -hmm. your opinion is diverse, and just because you have several different, let's say, diverse minorities who agree with you doesn't make your opinion right. Evidence makes your opinion right. Right. Exactly. And we've seen that. And we've seen them, you know, um, cart different people out saying, well, you know, and I mean, we, we just talked about Dusty. And, you know, right. we, you know, 
one example was when Jeremiah Kamara pointed to Dusty and he said, he's saying the same thing that I'm saying. So maybe you'll listen because it came from a white person. Right. And, 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 and basically they try to balance each other out and point to one another because I'm sure Dusty has pointed to Jeremiah and, you know, others in this community and said, well, you know, I'm friends with this person and he believes the same thing I do. Therefore, my thought process or or this statement isn't racist because they right. say the same thing. And we have to be very right. careful with that. Right. That's true. And also, you know, like the amazing atheist and, you know, Thunderfoot on the subject of feminism. You know, it's the same kind of, you know, thinking on that. People still listen to Uh, Dunderhead? (laughs) Yes, of course. That's crazy. Absolutely. Not, I mean, they're not nearly as out about it because, you know, they've, they've had to, again, you know, present evidence that their opinion is just and found, been found lacking, but it's not going to stop people from actually openly saying, well, you know, I agree with this person over here, or I agree with that person over here, and, you know, that they have something violent going on, at least with that aspect of their social activism, when they don't. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's, again, it's that same kind of non-thinking, non-evidentialist approach to one person's particular opinion um, that we wouldn't dare tolerate if it came from the mouth of your local Baptist pastor. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, we if we chastise that kind of thinking, and yet when it comes to guys like that, or, you know, like Sam Harris on the subject of Islamophobia, we say, well, you're, it's, you're just misunderstanding that person's point. And it's like, no, I understand that person's point very well. Here's why it's wrong. Right. right. Exactly. And if you're not even if you're not even willing to if you're not even willing to say, okay, this person could be wrong, and if you're not actually willing to if you're not even willing to say that this person could be potentially wrong, if you're not even willing to listen to what somebody has to say on the subject of racism, homophobia, sexism, Islamophobia, especially Islamophobia, if you're not even willing to actually say Sam Harris could be wrong about this and here's why, then um the conversation's done. Yeah, right. I mean, my whole thing, my whole thing also is, is um, you know, um, you know, with the atheist community and this whole question of, you know, Islamophobia. Well, really, anything like any of these sort of discriminatory beliefs, right, that exist out here that we find people defending in the atheist community, is right. What is the harm? Like, what is the actual harm of of maybe having conversations or finding ways to temper your language. You know what I mean? When you're talking about things like this. I mean, what is the harm in possibly considering how what you say may actually um, have real consequences, you know, may, may actually hurt, you know, people? Um, you right. know, what is the harm in that? You know, it's, you know, it's not, it's not to say that like, you know, everything that we're going to say needs to always be 100% nice or we should just stick to the weather. You know what I mean? It's about figuring out what things that we're saying might actually contribute to 
violence or the dehumanization of other people and not saying those things. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. That's that's how I feel about it. Oh, yeah. From their standpoint. Go ahead, Red. Go ahead, From their standpoint, I was going to say, the the harm from their standpoint is that they feel like it's somehow, um, it's granting special privilege to religion to not criticize it. No, that's it's not least, granting special privilege. It. It's not granting special privilege. No one's saying that you can't. Oh, no, we know it's not. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I absolutely know that that's not, of course. But, yeah. you know, those who come out with violent rhetoric against a certain group of people say that if we don't, if we don't address those things in that way, then it's allowing them to, or it's allowing we're letting the terrorists quote unquote, win. Sorry. to be given I'm special sorry. privilege. <laughs> America. Right. And, and, see, and this is yeah, but see the <laughs> thing about it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm directing this to you and Raina both, you know, and I want your right, input right, right. on it. You know, um, basically the way that I see it, because again, we've talked about the Islamophobia in this in in this community. Um, you know, we've right. talked about it on a number of different shows, and you know, we see a lot of this coming from people like Sam Harris and Dawkins and and the deceased, you know, Hitchens and you know a number of others in this community, but this community is hesitant to address that. So that goes back to, you know, again, you have people in this community who get angry with those of us that dare criticize any of their atheist celebrity heroes. And, I mean, what does that say? Because, again, you know, you all see me contrasting or doing, you know, comparing when we were believers and when we were non-believers I'm seeing some of the same things as don't say anything bad about my pastor. You know, so don't say anything bad about Richard Dawkins. Don't criticize my pastor. Don't criticize Richard Dawkins. You know, um, well, you know, he means well. And you'll hear that he was well-meaning or I know where his heart is. And I think you took it out of context. So now they're going to go and put, you know, what someone else said in context, when that person clarified and said, I said A, B, and C, and I damn well mean A, B, and C. And so we're seeing some of the same things over here. So, I mean, you know, how do we deal with that? I don't know. I wish there was an answer. I wish I could give you an answer. I don't know how we deal with it. I mean, it's just... All I feel like you can do is just educate yourself and educate those around you, you know, and um, and 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 not let it go by. Don't let it, you know, the opportunity to, you know, and and I've seen people doing that. I've seen a lot of more people, I think, in the last several years, you know, come against, you know, Dawkins or, you know, when he or or, or you know Shermer or, you know, um, Harris when they say these sorts of things, you know, right. Um, you have to push back, you know? I I think that it would help all of us to to just listen to people. Listen to those you disagree with and understand exactly where they're coming from, even if you don't agree. If you disagree, if you don't, if you, if you disagree with the Christian faith, okay, fair enough. Actually listen to what the Christians have to say. Actually listen Mm -hmm. to what, their beliefs really are and don't come up with a caricature. You know, don't come up with a straw man 
and say, this is what a certain group of people believe, whether it be Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, whatever. Really listen to what people honestly have to say about what they believe and why, because we would expect those kinds of things in return on our side. And actually exactly. engage them and have the dialogue and talk about what it is that you value and what you don't. Because the minute you come up with a straw man, you're going to get called out on it. Whether Because guess what? Whether it's the atheist community or whether it's the Christian community or the Muslim community, you come up with a straw man of somebody's actual ideas, you're going to get called out. When you come up with exactly. violent rhetoric, you're going to get called out. And exactly. when Craig Hicks calls himself an atheist and he actually kills three Muslims, what are the Muslims going to say? That's why you need God. What are the Christians exactly. going to say? This person needs God and is a sinner. And that's why you exactly. can't be an atheist, because of attitudes like that. Right. Now, of course, what? we know that that's not true. But there, it's exactly. so easy. It's so mm -hmm. easy to, to, to use this as a pawn and as a, as a game to beat people over the head. When it's right. easy to just calm down and say, what do you actually believe and why? Right. And I mean, and, and again, it's, that's why, that's why I, when I talk about this, I'm not saying that necessarily that the atheist community is to blame. It's about the culture, right? About this culture right. of, as, you know, anti-Muslim sentiment that we have going. I mean, look at this movie that just came out, you know, American Sniper. You know, look at look at all look at a lot of these movies, these action thriller movies, uh, you know, that have um, come out since nine eleven. A lot of them have featured, um, you know, Arabs or people who are ostensibly Muslim as vil villains. You know exactly. what I mean? That has increased a lot. You know, I don't remember actually seeing a lot of American movies that even made reference to Islam. You know what I right. mean? In any major way prior to 9-11. You know what I mean? I was gonna say, just, there, there is one, though. There, There is one, though. I, I do have to mention one movie, though, in particular, that what? I really do admire. Um, mm -hmm. Three Kings. I don't know okay, if you've ever that, watched that. that. Yeah, I saw that movie. That was yeah. a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah. Kings. And also um, The Siege, too. The Siege, okay. uh, which actually came out one. three years before... Okay, yeah, look that movie up. It actually stars uh, Denzel Washington, and it actually deals with a terrorist attack in New York City and deals with a lot of the labeling and the politics that take place amongst uh, and against the Muslim community. And right. um, those are very intelligent films that I thought really intelligently addressed the concept of, you know, having to challenge our bigotry. And, um, right. But anyway, getting, getting back to the point, um, you're right in the sense that, you know, when American Sniper came out, I saw, you know, all these memes, you know, uh, you know about you know, what we should do about Muslims and what we should do about Islam and what we should do about religion in general. And I've, you've even, we've already seen screen caps of audience members responding by saying we should go out and kill some ragheads, literally on right. Twitter, openly. Right. You know, talking about what we should do to kill right. people. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, exactly. and then there was all and, that anti-Muslim violence that occurred after 9/11. I mean, it's like people are completely divorced from the the notion of how language and how culture, you know, influences people, right? To do things, Absolutely. to do things like this, you know. Right. And 
That's why when it was going on with Charlie Hebdo after that incident earlier this year, and again, my condolences goes out to their friends and family, you know, because again, we do yeah. not advocate violence, and we do, you know, sympathize with those people. However, you know, um, you, the way that I see this and, and, and I'm looking at it is, with, you know, with certain behaviors, you know, like Raina was just saying, you know, um, certain words and, and, and different policies, and it, it influences people, even with the caricatures that they're, you know, putting out there. And we've had white people, because we, we were talking about the caricature they did of the, um, of the uh, prime minister in Italy as a black woman, and they took her head and they put it on a monkey. And this influences people. It influences the culture, you know, and, and, and it is hurtful. And it hurts people. And the thing is, is that we all know that there are some people in these different communities that are not the most stable people, okay? And, you know, movies like American Sniper, you know, I understand they made it for entertainment, but there are some people out here that can cannot seem to tell the difference between reality and, 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 and fantasy in some cases. And some people, you know... Exactly. And and there are some people out here, you know, they're not going to say God told them to do it because they're non-believers now. But, you know, um, you know, these people, they'll say something like these people were infringing upon us or these people want all of these special rights and all of that. And I'm just right. looking at the community because it's going to take some of these celebrity atheists as well as some of these mainstream atheist organizations to to put an end to all of this. They're going to have to say something. And, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is that it all boils down to, in many cases, it's about them, you know, not really wanting to offend their membership. They don't want to lose the members because they want the numbers, but then they also want the membership fees. They want these people to continue paying these fees. They want these people to continue to attend their conferences, so on and so forth. And, you know, what I'm beginning and, to learn... And talking about... And talking about telling people, you know, to not be so, um, you know, to be, you know, to gang up on religion or to talk about Muslims in, in a particular way is a drag to some of these people. They get, they have fun with it. They they get off on, you know, calling Muslims ragheads and all of that type of stuff and engaging in this sort of racist, you know, xenophobic, right. you know, exactly. white supremacist right. behavior, you know. It is encouraged. And it seems to be encouraged in this community, but then when something happens, oh, well, they weren't one of us, or if it was, you know, a white person, oh, there was something wrong with them if it was a black person. Oh, well, you know, that was inherent. You know, they're, they're, they're naturally violent. And so I'm just looking at all of this, and I'm looking at this community, and I'm starting to see, you know, both black and white atheists it's just about the money. I'm starting to feel like some people that we thought were out here, you know, advocating for righteous causes, it's just about the fucking money. Right. And I'm extremely, yep. extremely disappointed. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm getting angrier by the minute. Every time I think about this shit. Right. And personally, I hope that 
if, hold on a second. We only have one minute left. You all can dial in to 310-982-4273. It looks like we're going into overtime. 310-982-4273. I see you calling. Give me a minute. Go ahead, Red. So basically what, I, what I'm hoping this does is that it causes us to take a step back and reassess how we actually approach religion at all, right? Because if we don't expect for credit case, if we don't expect for all atheists to take responsibility and apologize on behalf of credit case, we should not expect Christians to have to apologize whenever a Christian does something wrong. We don't expect the entire Christian community to actually take blame for that. And we don't expect the Muslim community to take responsibility collectively when they do wrong. What it does is we have to take all of us and all of our communities have to take a step back and actually say, why did this really happen? And what can we do to address false images and false understandings of each other as human beings? Exactly. If, it, if one if one smear tactic does not work for the atheist community, it sure as hell should not work for the Christian or the Muslim community as well. Exactly. And that's why I say all of this has to be applied the same across the board. You know, when, when right. a person of color commits a crime, that whole community should, you know, because they want the Muslim community to answer for what happened in Paris. And I'm sure they want them to answer for what happened in Copenhagen. But yet they don't want to answer or, or you know, you know about what happened in North Carolina. Now, I must be fair. There are a couple of atheist organizations out here that are raising money for those Muslim families. And I want to make right. sure people know and that I state that. However, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm expecting to pop up, but if, 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 if I see, you, hell, fuck it. You know, like I said, all the filters are gone in the bridle. I don't throw it out the way. If I see a defense fund for Craig Hitch, I think I'm just going to lose my shit that day. Yeah. Okay? Because, you know, I can see some people in this community trying to treat him the way that they did Darren Wilson over in Ferguson. Right. And, you know, it, it, I, I hope it doesn't happen. And you and know what is does, so unfortunate? And you know what's so uh-huh. unfortunate about this situation is, is um, you know, I have, I, I just, I just, you know, I was listening to um, a good friend of, uh, I think it was Rasan, um, you know, Abu Salah, and she was talking about her her friends, you know, and, and uh, her friend's sister, and they were talking about, um, you know, just, you know, just how wonderful these kids were. Like, they were, you know, they, I think um, two of them were in, you know, planning, well, one of them was the, the wife, was planning on going to dental school this fall. And the husband um, was already engaged in all of this sort of humanitarian activity, going over to Syria, you know, to uh, assist uh, dentists who are going over there to help um, help children with their dental care, you know, to provide See? dental care to these refugees. You know what I mean? These were these were good people. Not to say that like if you know you know if you're a Muslim and you don't you don't do you know community service activities that somehow your life is is less meaningful. You know what I mean? But just, it just, I'm just saying that we need to counter these horrible images, you know what I mean, of people of color, you know, but particularly in this case, we're talking about, you know, people who practice Islam, Muslims. You know, we need to counter these images, these ideas that we have, you know, with with the truth, with, 
with other images that show that they're, you know, their humanity. You know, so often we, we spend so much time on, on Paris exactly. and on AQAP and on, on, on the war that we forget that there are actual human beings, you know, who are, who are trying to make a difference in the world, who care about exactly. other people, regardless of what they look like. You know what I mean? Like, Try. it's just, it's horrible. Yeah, but hold on. Let me, let me pull this they've, been, they've been waiting okay. a minute. Hold on a second. Let's pull the caller in. 330, may we ask who's calling? Hey, this is um, Brian up in Ohio. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hey, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm, I'm really interested in this subject. I'm going to tell you, tell you up front, yes, I am a black Christian. I am a presuppositional apologist. But, like, my whole thing is, you know, I, I guess I don't understand, I guess, like the, um, you, know, you, you call yourself uh, uh, black thinkers. I've been speaking to um, you know a bunch of black thinkers on um, on YouTube, and I've been trying to set up a show so we can discuss stuff like this. I just don't understand, you know, let alone the black as Hello? far mm-hmm. as um, as morality and moral issues. You know, um, I, I guess I don't understand the angle. Maybe somebody can kind of explain it to me a little bit. Well, I didn't really hear the question because you were kind of going in and out. So. Right. I, I think what he's asking is, he, are you trying to understand where our morality and our ethics come from being non-believers? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's pretty much it on, you know, that's pretty, that, that pretty much hits the, the nail on the head. I mean, I've, I've, talked, I've talked to a lot of different atheists, and, you know, and it seems like it's kind of like scattered around. I mean, you know, some people have told me, well, you know, you don't need you don't need religion to be moral. You know, it's uh, it's in our DNA. It's in our, you know. I've had people say, well, you know, morality is not a um, not a religious thing. It's it's not something you know you don't get any you know any morals just just because you believe in like a certain religion. Um, but I guess my you know my you know my thing is because most of the atheists that I've talked to, they said, well, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in anybody's God. Muslim, Hindu, Taiwanese, you know, you know, whatever. And so I asked him, okay, well, where do you get your definition of morality from? You know, I mean, I mean, there's, there's got to be some well, kind of universal I, I feel like thing. you called into the wrong show, sir, because today we're not having that conversation. You know, well, I, I mean, that's, today I, we're talking I about... I thought that's what the conversation was about, because you're talking about Islamophobia, um, um, homophobia, you know, the way the things are, are, are being done and how people are not really listening to each other, not really understanding each other. So, you know, I've been listening for about the last half an hour, and that's, that's the reason I called in. I just want to understand, because I'm just trying to figure out, okay, you know, because I heard people saying that this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this, we should be talking more about it, we should be doing this and that. But, you know, I'm just trying to understand where the, where the foundation to say those kind of things are coming from. Well, there's I mean, no, I mean, there's no right way that you're going to be able to understand that within within the course of a 10 or 20-minute conversation with us, and that's not the purpose of the conversation today. So unless you feel like you want to add to this discussion in terms of how do we recognize other people's humanity, how do we deal with issues of Islamophobia, I don't really see how uh, how this line of questioning is going to be productive. Hold on, okay. I'm gonna answer. Hey, Brian, I'm gonna answer your question. 
Um, so you asked me as a non-believer, where do I get my morality from? So I'll give you my answer. My answer is I get my morality from an understanding of harm versus health, right? If I, if basically, how do we come up with an idea of what causes harm, okay? And how do we gather facts from what causes harm? So it's an understanding of harm. And from an understanding of harm, if I stab you and kill you, I did demonstrable physical harm to you, okay? If I punch you in the face, I did obvious demonstrable harm. So the question is, how do I define harm? I define harm as something that specifically need that does not improve the state of someone's physical or emotional being, right? That's the way I look at it. It may be a base definition. I don't know if it satisfies your desire. I don't know if that's a good enough answer for you specifically. You may have something, you may have a different idea about it, but the way I answer this question is, it's about what causes harm, and it's about how we avoid harm to other people. Okay, right? but uh, I guess my I guess my main question is, you know, who um, who defines harm? Well, I guess harm, you know, that would be subjective, and and even in the cases with you know a lot of religions, namely Christianity, because you're a Christian, you know, even with the interpretation of the Bible, is subjective. You know, that's why you have oneness Pentecostals, that's why you have, you know, the Trinitarians, that's why you have, you know, some people that, you know, baptize in the name of Jesus, other ones, the Father, Son, and the Holy. You know, it's subjective. It is subjective. why I really feel like this conversation is just irrelevant right now. Right, right. But you know what? I don't think it's irrelevant. I'm just... I'm just trying to understand where everybody's coming from because when somebody says we should, we you know, we ought to do this and ought not to do that, then you have to know what their foundation is. You know, you 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 guys as atheists, I am trying to further understand. You know, um, where the where the where the is's and the ought. Well, the answer the answer is not. complicated. It's just as complicated as it is for believers because believers don't always take every morality that they that they that they internalize from their holy book. Because if they did, there's there's certain things that they that we would have evidence of. Because not everyone believe. So I would assume that you don't believe in genocide. Yet your Bible speaks of God ordering genocide. So I mean, I don't believe that that you take from from every aspect of the Bible your morality. I believe that you that you have taken what parts of it you think are good and good for your life. It's just like anything else. People pick and choose. People have different ways that they come to the conclusions that they come to. That is why this conversation is not really all that useful at the present because it is a, it's a complex conversation. It's a conversation we've already had several million times and you're going to get, you're going to get as many answers as there are people because we don't have, we don't, we're, we're atheists. We don't have a single book or a single tradition that we all come out of. But for, for me, and and for and for for those of us on the phone we are talking about a climate of hostility that has contributed right. to a violent situation that robbed three people of their lives that's what okay. we're talking about 
Brian, what I would do is invite you to tune in to the show. And, I mean, we have a vast archive. Um, there will be no show next Sunday because, you know, next Sunday is next Sunday, and I'm not doing anything next Sunday. And But the Sunday after that, we'll have another show, and, you know, maybe we'll do an open topic in a couple of weeks. So if we do an open topic show then, you know, call back and, you know, we can tackle all of that. That's no issue. But, you know, today what we're talking about is how, you know, different communities, I mean, even with the religious right and and over here in the atheist community, you know, to a certain degree they've cultivated a very toxic environment, you know, as far as like the Islamophobia, you know, I have xenophobia up here, and xenophobia is basically, you know, having a fear of anything or anybody that's different than yourself. And and when we're talking about xenophobia in this particular context, we're talking about, you know, to a certain degree that the atheist community in and of itself is built on top of white supremacy. So everything is white, male-centered, you know, patriarchal, um, cisgendered, hetero, wealthy, educated male. That is the stereotype. That is the center. That is what this community has been built on. So when someone and someone or something that's different comes into the community, there's usually backlash. And in some cases, it's extremely toxic in how the rhetoric and, and, and even some of the actions, because we talked about Draw Muhammad Day and other things that we've seen, and even with the caricatures, you know, the people that were, you know, murdered in Paris from Charlie Hebdo, they were white atheists, and they were libertarian atheists, white male libertarian atheists, again, which is, you know, the um, again, we were talking about how that's, you know, this community is built on top of that. What we're trying to do is point out these differences and to show them how they can create, and they do create to a certain degree, you know, some of these mindsets, you know, and and there are people out here that are unstable. There are people out here who will go out and say that they are, you know, avenging, you know, the wrong that was done to them. I mean, we talked about that white couple in Vegas that went out and shot up all those people saying that, you know, um, it was a race war coming, and I guess they were avenging for, you know, all of the disdain and all the wrongs that white people feel that are being done to them because we have a black president and because we're we're wanting social justice into to level the, you know, the playing field. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, people and their fear of anything or anyone that's different and how we need to stop that and we need to address it and we need to call it out and we need to see the humanity in other people. There are some people, they'll say, well, you know, he's a nice person, but they don't see that person as a full human being. Even in this country, us, those of us on the phone, we're not seen as full human beings by some people in this country, which is why, you know, they have no problem shooting, you know, Trayvon or Mike Brown, why they had no problem executing these three Muslim students and other things, you know, that we are seeing happening around this country. So what we're trying to do is to bring it to the forefront, attack it, and tell them how we can do things right or how we need to start calling these things out. If we start calling it out and saying that we will not stand for it, eventually, eventually we will hope to see better results. Did I get that right? 
I think I think you kind of misunderstood. So what I was saying, I was asking about you know not not desperately, but by the panel that that, that I'm listening to, you know, um, um, you 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 guys all call yourself black free thinkers. I am just trying you know, to figure out. He just oh, has a fucking axe to grind. He has an axe to grind, and I'm kind of tired of it. Like okay. I don't understand Brent, what this is has to do with. But but I really, right. Brent, I really want to have this. I I want to have this conversation. Okay, Brian. You say, as a presuppositional apologist, that you say that morality comes from God. Am I right? Yes, I, I would say morality. Am I, am I, okay, no, but go that, for it. You, you but go. That, but, sir, 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 but that's not even the conversation. I'm just trying to understand where you guys are coming from. I, you know, I, don't, I, I wasn't looking for a conversation. Okay, well, then on, call back in two weeks. Like she said, no, we have no, an open no, topic. No, 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 no. Let's, I'm trying let's to understand. No, I'm trying to understand. This. I'm trying to understand with you know how you guys, the, uh, the the three people I've heard on the panel. I'm trying to understand your backgrounds and why 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 what you're saying um, is a good idea. Why we should go this way. Why why I should believe. Hey, single thirteen is actually. You know, and that has nothing to do with right, it. We're not right. preaching atheism. We're over here right. talking about why people are losing their fucking lives, sir. We don't have no, time not, to talk about proselytizing to you and telling you Man, why I'm atheism about is better. Atheism. We're not doing that. So then, why are you here? You have nothing Man, to I'm, offer I'm, on the subject of Islamophobia. Right You're here with an axe to grind about why, about how we can come up with our own personal morality or our own perspectives right on morality independent of religion. And that's Brandon, just not the subject of, this, of the day. Brandon, I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to address what he's talking about. Sir, the reason why we are actually talking about this and the reason why we actually consider this to be a valid solution is because it comes back to what we think is moral, which is that it's about creating the best of all possible worlds for everybody, right? We all strive as human beings that live in a physical universe, that experience physical sensation and physical pain to create the best possible worlds for everybody, okay? It's a matter of what we think the best possible world is. Now, you're a Christian. You believe that the best possible world is heaven and you believe that the very worst possible world is hell. So the question is, we can demonstrate that we live on the best of all possible worlds. We are physical human beings living in a physical universe. You consider the best possible world to be heaven and hell. So how do we demonstrate that, and why should we care about that? Brian. Brian's on mute right now. You know, because I wanted to give you all a chance to, you know, address that. And I didn't want this to turn into, you know, uh, <laughs> one of this. That's why we'll do an open topic in two weeks. We'll do an open topic. And that's why I was um, saying you should call back in two weeks. He wants to know what our morale, what our moral compass is and, and where we get it from and all this crap. He should call back in two weeks. That's how I feel about the situation. Right now we're not talking about, you know, your moral compass. We're talking about people's lives. You know what I mean? Right. And and, and yeah, the climate that we create around around understanding human value and understanding why and understanding why it's not okay for us to say certain things and how that contributes to well, violence. I don't understand. Yeah, but but you know what though? I honestly I do feel like the morality question does have 
the, the morality question is relevant to what it's we're not immediate about, to what we're talking I, about. It's not immediate. But, it's not immediate because either because either you a, believe that people that it's relevant. either you believe either you believe that people people should not be murdered or you don't. You know what I mean? For the, for their beliefs, for their beliefs or over a parking spot or whatever. Either you believe that or you don't. And I feel like I feel like for most human beings, we pretty much don't believe that that should, that's okay. So now that we're we're done with that assumption, we can move forward with asking questions about why it's wrong to engage in Islamophobic rhetoric. You know what I mean? When we when we come back in two weeks, we can talk about our moral compass and where we get that from, how we structure that, how we see and the world answer, from that compass. And my answer to that is we don't believe in that because it's not creating the best of all possible worlds. It makes our world worse. Right. No, and I agree and I agree with and I agree with you. And I agree with you. I'm just talking about the gentleman on the phone and his axe to grind that has that has really nothing to do with illuminating what we're talking about today. You know what I mean? You know, I tell you and that is true, but let me just tell you what presuppositional apologetics really is, right? Because there are people that are actually paying attention to the Craig Hicks idea, just like I said at the very beginning, and saying this proves that atheism does not have a basis for morality, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I know what that I know what that is. I understand that people are saying that we don't have a basis for morality, but that's not true right. of all of us. And he can come back in two weeks and find out what our basis is. But there's also books that he can read. So I feel like I feel like there's books that he can read. I feel like he can. I feel like he's on the. You know, if he found us, he probably found us on the internet, which means that he has an, an internet available to him. Of 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 right. things that he can read on the subject, and that he didn't have to derail our conversation here today with his axe to grind. You know what I mean? It's just it, it, the yeah, fact of the matter is, is that because we have no central, we have no central belief, we have no God figure, we have no book that we all come from. We all come to different conclusions, and and the fact that he's unable to wrap his mind around how people can come to different conclusions without a book or something or some sort of central figure to call upon, it, that's his problem. You know what I mean? That's his uh, problem. Well, we don't have to deal with it. That's his issue. He needs to deal with that. Exactly. He needs to come. He needs to come to some understanding on his own. We don't have to sit here and justify ourselves to him. We don't, especially not on a day where we're not introducing that question. You know what I mean? We've dealt with that question. Oh, yeah. We I mean, dealt with that I mean, question four a, years ago. That, but, so with that being said, um, I know we're going to have to deal with these questions in our daily lives, and that's why I'm personally not afraid to answer those questions when they come. Oh, I'm not and, afraid and to answer it. It's just a question I just don't feel like it's super, like it's super duper relevant to what we're talking about. Because I feel like I feel like for most people, unless they're just, you know, psychotic, you know what I mean, or, or really not psychotic but sociopathic, you know, that they're that there that there's an, a fundamental assumption among human beings that we just don't kill one another. And certainly not in, in for unjustifiable reasons, you know, outside of trying to defend ourselves or family, you know. So I just don't feel like it's it's super relevant. Like it's not an immediate conversation that needs to be happening. I feel like he has an axe to grind. I feel like he should call back in two weeks. That's how I feel about it. 
All right, so bringing it back to center. <laughs> um, <laughs> bringing it back to center. Back to your regularly you, scheduled program. Yeah, uh, you know, bringing it back to center. Which I've been trying to you do. Know. I tried to do that I, from the beginning, Kim. <laughs> I was trying. Look, I want it to be known. I want it on record. That Raina tried to bring it back to center when the gentleman called. Because Raina smelled <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Raina smelled bullshit from the time he opened his mouth. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. You guys should have a hug, Raina. I love you. No, I'm good. I don't don't need a hug. I'm good. I don't need a hug. That's cool. You rejecting my atheist today. You rejecting my atheist. I'm just saying that you should hug. I'm saying that that dude on the other end of the phone needs to hug an atheist today. That's what I'm saying. And then maybe he won't call into shows and try to derail conversations. That's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? All right. So, yet again, okay, this is my advice to you all. Do not kill other people. Right. Okay. Don't Do justify not, killing other people. Yes. Do not shoot other people unless they are ready to shoot at you. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know. Do not stab people. You know. Uh, you know. Do not steal from somebody unless it was yours to begin with, and you're just going to get it back. Don't get into an O.J. Simpson situation. Um, you know, <laughs> there are just some things that should be common sense. You right. know, uh, wow. Anyway, introspection. <laughs> that is my word of the day. That is word of the day. Um, Kimmy is thinking about launching another show on another network. And it would be totally different from this show here. Kim's thinking about it. Kim hasn't quite decided if she wants to do that or not. It would be kind of like the show Kim did a couple of weeks ago. But I don't think people like angry Kim. Anyway, you all have a good rest of the week. And enjoy this Sunday. And all that other bullshit, and more bullshit, and more bullshit. I'm about to go eat me a pork chop. Yes, I am. God damn it, I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I got some red Kool-Aid that should make Dusty happy. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right now, y'all. You all enjoy next Sunday. Hopefully, you know, it's, it's, oh, we're up to a whopping nine degrees in Chicago today. So oh, wow, maybe that's next- balmy. That's hey. balmy. So I may break out today at the grill, okay? You know, um, so, you know, you all enjoy next Sunday. We're taking next Sunday off. Um, me, I think I'm going to go to the China Buffet up there and eat up all their damn sushi because eight bucks, and they have pretty decent sushi up there. So eight bucks, and I can eat several rolls by myself, so, you know, it's well worth it. But, um, you know, guys, 
two weeks from now, uh, we'll do an open topic. What's wrong, Raina? No, nothing. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Yes, yes. And, you know, I don't know if I want an old Negro spiritual to take us out. No, we won't do that no, today. No, just play the theme. Just play the theme. This is my... Started on slave ships. There are more records of slave ships than one would dream. It seems inconceivable until you reflect that for 200 years ships sailed carrying cargo of slaves. Ran, non, be non-violent. In the face of the violence that we've been uh, experiencing for the past 400 years, is actually doing our people a disservice. In fact, it's a crime. It's a crime. Here come the drums. trust the majority of the people in this community anymore and that is how I'm going to treat you from this moment forward have a good Sunday y'all